Chapter 18 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife by Armin Stein, translated by E.A. Enlich. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18, The Mother and Her Children. Wittenberg in the 16th century was a wretched town. The houses built of wood were thatched with straw. The narrow, crooked streets were paved roughly, or not at all, and in rainy weather or during the spring thaws, it became almost impassable. A few prominent buildings, the fine churches, the elector's palace, the university, the Franciscan and Augustinian convents, and the dwellings of some wealthy citizens, alone raised it to the dignity of a town. The surrounding country had been meagerly dealt with by nature. Luther was wont to say, Land, thou art nothing but sand. In every direction stretched wastes of sand. In the immediate neighborhood of the town, however, especially toward the south, where rolled the yellow waters of the Elbe, Occasional clumps of trees and even vineyards were to be seen. Here, many citizens of Wittenberg had planted charming gardens, whither they went to refresh themselves during the heat of summer. One garden especially, which lay near the Elster Gate, gave evidence of artistic skill and careful culture. The shrubs and flower beds were tastefully arranged. A little pond, fed by a spring, lay hidden among rustling seeds, and in the midst of a large graveled space rose a white summer house. One bright day in the summer of 1534, a merry little company was gathered here. A strong, active boy of nine was the leader in their games and their occasional excursions to the strawberry beds. It was his birthday, and by reason of this circumstance and of his seniority, he ruled over the younger ones, a gentle little maiden of six and two boys of two and four. Within the summer house sat the mother holding a baby in her arms and watching the play of her children now and then calling out a word of warning when the merriment grew too boisterous, or when the eldest insisted too vigorously upon his rights. It was Catherine, who after her day's work had come with her children to this favorite spot. Here, under the open sky and among the flowers, she wished to celebrate the day on which, nine years ago, God's grace had given her her firstborn son. Luther might well say with the psalmist, My wife is a fruitful vine by the side of my house, my children like olive plants around my table. Five healthy, happy children they were, and the mother still fresh and blooming, as though sorrow could not touch her. Suddenly a shout arose, Aunt Lena, Aunt Lena is coming, and the children sprang towards the old woman as though she were a fortress to be carried by assault. They were very fond of the good aunt, who always had time and patience to answer their endless questions, who told them such lovely tales in the twilight, who dressed Lena's dolls and made soldiers of pasteboard for the boys, and never betrayed their childish wrongdoings to father or mother. But today, their enthusiastic greeting was largely mingled with self-interest. They wanted her to take charge of the little Gretchen, that their mother might play with them, this being a great favor and a rare one, for the mother's hands were always busy. Aunt Lena, being a person of much penetration, guessed their wishes and did her part most willingly. They played hide-and-seek and blind man's bluff. They counted the peas in the pods by holding them up to the light, and there was much laughter among the boys at their mother's failures. She herself felt light-hearted and strong. Were not her children in good health and the doctor well and vigorously at work upon his new book? But in time she wearied of the play, and Wolfgang's appearance was a welcome interruption. He announced that the doctor would probably not come before evening. Then from a basket he emptied a variety of buns and cakes upon the table, which quieted the noisy company for a time. Hans seemed to have special business with Wolfgang. His eyes betrayed his eagerness, but Wolfgang seemed not to understand this mute appeal. When he found himself unobserved, he whispered, Wolfgang, let us look after the bird traps. Wolfgang was not easy to persuade. 
he remembered the lecture he had received but the other day when he presented the doctor with a tame bullfinch luther told him sharply that he took no pleasure in captive birds which the lord had not created to the end that master wolfgang Schierberger might snare them in his nets but hans pleaded so strongly it was his birthday and wolfgang yielded they stole away secretly but martin the four-year-old perceiving their intention cried out after the fugitives and wanted to be taken along with many promises and persuasions he was finally pacified and induced to remain behind not far from the garden near the university was a secluded little copse where multitudes of the feathery tribe were wont to congregate it was here that wolfgang had set his traps as they entered the grove a flock of finches rose into the air their notes sounded like mocking laughter to the bird catchers who always came too late and must needs be content if after a fortnight's watching they snared a silly robin or a saucy sparrow as a bird catcher wolfgang had small luck at which he wondered greatly for all his measures were taken strictly according to the rules of the craft and the spot was well chosen for his purpose perhaps the wood nymphs spoiled his sport Today again he caught nothing finally his patience was exhausted he sprang up and gave vent to his feelings in a vigorous oath which the echoes flung back to him with derisive distinctiveness the sportsmen left the copse in a bad humor as they approached the garden wolfgang exclaimed in consternation the doctor has come there will be a fine reception for us and so forth and with lagging footsteps they went to meet their fate luther had arrived earlier than he expected and finding hans absent at once suspected the truth seating himself in the summer-house he soon covered a sheet of paper with writing he received the culprits with a stern look there was no need of questioning them their guilt was so clearly written upon their faces wolfgang stammered something that sounded like an apology but luther interrupted him sit here wolfgang and you hans sit beside him and all the rest come hither and hear the complaint which has come to my hands when all were assembled the doctor read as follows to our well-inclined friend dr martin luther professor and preacher at wittenberg we thrushes robins linnets and other honest and peaceable birds who are sojourning in these parts would have you know that a certain wolfgang schierberger your servant has committed a daring and ruthless deed in that out of malice and hatred toward us he has purchased dearly certain old and ragged nets wherewith he purposes not only to snare our good friends the finches but would fain deny to us also who have in no wise wronged him the liberty of flying in the air and of picking up the grains which god has strewn for us all this being as you may suppose a grievous oppression to us poor birds we would direct to you our humble petition that you restrain your servant from his evil design or failing in this that you command him in the evenings to scatter grain upon this place and in the morning not to rise before eight o'clock if he consents we will be content and even grateful to him but if on the contrary he continues to persecute us we will pray to the good lord to punish him and we hope that some day he may find toads and snails and grasshoppers instead of birds in his net and that at night the mice fleas and other vermin shall cause him such torment as to make him forget his evil designs against our liberty why does he spare the sparrows magpies jackdaws mice and rats which do you much harm which rob and steal carrying away your corn oats and barley 
while we seek only after crumbs and scattered grains, freeing you, moreover, from flies, gnats, and other troublesome insects. We ask if this be just and reasonable, and we trust that in future we may rest undisturbed by his snares and nets, given in our airy habitation among the trees under our usual seal. Without adding a word, without a glance at the accused, Luther folded the paper and put it into his pocket. Wolfgang's feelings were those of a convicted criminal whose sentence is being read. He turned red and white and would have been glad to slip away had such an escape been possible. Hans sat limp and dejected. He was plunged from his eminence as the hero of a birthday celebration. He waited eagerly for a lecture from his father, which would have relieved his conscience. But when he was passed by without a glance, and the father, with tender, loving words, turned to the other children, especially to Lena, the gentle little daughter, his torture became well-nigh unbearable. With secret horror, he remembered the time when, for a mischievous prank, he had been banished for three days from his father's presence, and all his mother's pleadings had been in vain. His father's words still rang painfully in his ears. I would rather have a dead son than a disobedient one. It is not for naught that St. Paul says a bishop shall rule well his own house and have his children in subjugation, that he may set a good example and not become an offense to other people. Hans would have wept, but inward fear dried up the source of his tears, and he was denied the relief of turning his trouble into water. At supper, he was unable to swallow a morsel, and his father's kind words to the others pierced him like a knife. Lena sat very still. Now and then her eyes wandered toward her brother. His sorrow was hers. On a former occasion, Luther had said to his wife, If one would see a living illustration of the Savior's words, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep, one needs but look at our little Lena. She has a fine, sensitive soul, like an aeolian harp that sounds and sings, but if a breath of air touches its strings. After supper, Lena clung to her father, caressed his hand, and looked up into his face with a wistful smile. What would you have, my Lena? asked her father gently, lifting her upon his knee. It is Hans's birthday, she whispered, and two great tears filled her soft blue eyes. Her father, touched by her loving heart, folded his little daughter in his arms and kissed her forehead. He beckoned to Hans. Come hither, thou sinner. Thy intercessor has conquered my heart, so that I must needs have pity on thee. Hans would fain have shouted for joy, but he restrained himself, and pressing close to his sister, he whispered, Lena, you shall have my clapper mill for this. Luther turned to his wife and Aunt Lena. Here you may see, he said, how powerful a mediator we have in our Lord Jesus Christ whom the Heavenly Father cannot refuse when he pleads for sinners. If my daughter thus speedily conquered my heart, how much more able is Christ to dispel the Heavenly Father's anger that the sinner may go free? When I found this assurance in the Holy Scriptures that we cannot be saved by our own virtue, but only by the merits and intercession of Jesus Christ, a new life was born within me, and I was constrained to proclaim it to all the world. I am heartily glad and thank the Lord that the Bible has gone forth among the German people in the German tongue. Many a drop of sweat cleaves to it, yet I labored with pleasure and delight, for now all can see for themselves what God's word is and wherefore the Savior came into the world. I regard this work as the greatest of my life, and if God were now to call me hence, I should willingly say, Lord, here I am. Here the little chubby-faced Paul, bestriding a stick, came prancing along. In his haste, he dashed against his father and was miserably overthrown. 
Everyone laughed at his discomfiture, but his father lifted the little fellow upon his knee and said, Paul must one day be a soldier and ride against the Turks. Then doubtless Germany will have peace from that quarter. He stroked the curly head and turning to Catherine said, How fondly parents cling to their youngest children. It is no doubt because of their helpless condition. Hans and Lena and even Martin can make their wants known, but these little ones cannot. Yet the love is the same toward them all. Catherine held out the baby, Gretchen, and said with a smile, This one needs love more than any, and yet you do not mention her, dear doctor. Luther took the child in his arms and caressed it, saying, There is a great sacredness about a little child, of whom the scriptures say, Their angels do always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. I would give all the honor I have had, and shall have in this world, had I died at the age of this child. A child's life is the happiest. It has no temporal cares, knows nothing of the disturbers of the church, has no fear of death or hell, but only pure and happy fancies. My dear little child, thou and all who are dear to me are hated of the Pope, Duke George, and the devil, and all their friends. But the child is not disturbed, fears nothing, and laughs at their anger. The evening had come, and Catherine began to prepare for their return to town, the physician having strictly forbidden Luther to remain in the open air after nightfall. He seemed little inclined to exchange the fresh, pure air for the closeness of the narrow streets, but found himself unable to resist his wife's pleading. With a smile, he submitted, saying, Kate, you persuade me to do your will in all things. End of chapter 18